Hello there, friends, fellow warriors. Welcome to another episode of Warriors and Hope. And I have my very favorite guest here again. His name is Sean. And the reason I like him so much is because, well, he's my son. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I like him for a lot of other reasons, too. Thanks for coming again, Sean. Sure thing. So we're sitting around. You know, it's so funny because when we do these episodes, we don't like to plan because we're both very spontaneous people, so it works out really well for both of us. But we're kind of chatting about what might be helpful, especially this time of year. Um, have you been hearing these ads, Sean? You've been hearing them your whole life, that this time is the most wonderful time. Oh my God, I sang, sorry people, the most wonderful time of the year. Mm -hmm. And do you remember a time though in your life when it really was the most wonderful time of the year? Oh, yeah, for sure. When I was younger, it was definitely the excitement and time off school and seeing family and doing, you know, stuff with friends and all that. It was great. It was like hoping it will snow because we're from Seattle, right? Hoping yeah. it will snow. and I've given up that hope in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, me too. But, you know, baking cookies and all the fun stuff that, that goes with it. I don't know if this, I've never even asked you this, if, if what happened to me about the holidays happened to you and I don't know to what degree, but when Jamie started going sideways, I mean, you know, she's my daughter, my only daughter, my firstborn child, oh, the girl that had so much promise. And when she started going sideways, I just didn't even care about the holidays. Then it got to a point when I moved to Miami and I felt like I just abandoned her essentially. I honestly, Sean, there was one year I put, this is my Christmas decoration. It was a little green metal tree and I put it on a table and on the 26th of that morning Rich got up and I looked at him I said I made it I did it like I made it through Christmas how different from that being the most wonderful time of the year and I don't know if um, you ever felt that when I mean I tried to keep our family together even though Jamie wasn't but obviously it had to be affecting you it'd be interesting to know from the brother's perspective how it affected you. Yeah, I mean, primarily, we always had a tradition when we were young, right? Like, we would do Christmas Eve as if it was Christmas Day at your house, get up, do breakfast in the morning, and then my dad would usually come get me, take me to grandparents' house, so I would get, like, two full Christmas celebrations and then come back home at the end of the night and kind of divvy up presents and all that and just see both sides of the family. So there was a tradition and a, a constant thing that we did, and then somewhere along Jamie's line of, of going off the deep end, that sort of ended. Then you moved to Florida. I did one Christmas with you in Florida. And then I moved back to Washington, and we were apart for several years. You came and visited once in Seattle after moving to California. and did one with us in the Wills. And then it wasn't till I moved back down here. We still didn't have a developed tradition. Like, one year I went to you, one year you came out here. But now that you guys are living here again... It's starting to feel special again because we are sort of rebuilding a new tradition. But definitely, Jamie kind of, everything that happened with her really changed all of that. And it it kind of smashed the tradition, which sort of took away the what was special about it. I realize now what was special about it was you got excited about this is what we do every year. This is our thing. And we didn't have a thing anymore. It was just kind of like, what are you doing for Christmas? I don't know. I'll probably hang out at my house and... And someone would go, that's sad, you should come to my house. And I'm like, okay, so at every year I was... Oh, I know, I feel so bad about that too because place. I'm the one that 
let it fall apart because I mean, obviously I moved to Florida and then I moved to California, but it was so weird for me, Sean. I didn't want to go be with family because the more family I was with around the holidays, the more reminder it felt like it was so in my face because all of their kids were doing well and they weren't dealing with this yeah. and nobody understood. And I'd be literally at a family thing and everyone would be like, Oh, happy Val. And we'd all be joking around, but in my soul, I don't know how to explain it to you. I felt different from everyone else. Like no one understands I'm in a different time and space, but I'm in the same room. I, know I, I felt alone when I wasn't alone. I know what you mean. When we did the, we did the Christmas celebration at the Will's house. They're obviously are very fortunate family members. They've done really well. And so they're, they've worked hard. They're may earn good money. So they're giving each other really nice gifts. Ryan's getting like Jordans and a Jordan jumpsuit, these really like expensive, nice things. And then you guys got me dress shoes and dress clothes for work. But I definitely remember thinking, I don't know if Jamie's being given anything. I don't know if she's been given one single gift. I don't know if she's got a room to sleep in tonight. And we're passing around thousands and thousands of dollars of just, shit that we don't need to be totally frank no. and i wasn't sure what was even going on with her so there was always that looming it definitely wasn't joyful it was an act yeah i would open a gift and i used to tell people i don't like to react when i open a gift because i don't want you to feel like you're getting a bad reaction so i just say thank you the truth is i just didn't care for a long time i'd get a gift and be like oh right on yeah that'll be cool well you know what's kind of interesting so things are better now i mean partially it, it's sad to say i wish jamie were here more than anything in the world if there was the genie in the bottle and the you know whatever wishes you could have obviously we all know what we would wish but there is a finality because we know where she is we don't you don't wonder anymore if she's getting gifts i feel like she gets gifts every day where she is mm -hmm. she's just getting quits christmas every day for her um but also us moving here and i don't know if we would have moved here but we moved here because jamie died yeah. And we felt that need to be closer to you and you were going to get married. And, you know, we just wanted to be around more family. And and you brought up a really good point, though, about tradition, because I never thought of myself as really a tradition type person because I like change a lot. I mean, you know, I've lived in 25 places in my yeah. life. So obviously I like change. I'm not the person that orders the same thing at the restaurant. Right. Not I, I really do like change. Um, but so I never thought of myself as a tradition person, really, until you started saying this, because I know other people have traditions and so there's something we have to do in these situations we have to let go of the old traditions or we're never going to make new ones they're never going to feel right yeah yeah i mean definitely and like for me too i lived by the time i was 24 when i moved here 25 i'd already this was my fourth state i'd lived in 20 something different houses myself i've never stayed anywhere after our house in high school longer than a year ever until my previous condo here in phoenix did i turn you into a nomad and then my current home <laughs> but no part of it it was like nothing was really special to me about any of these places it was just somewhere that i was at for the time being it wasn't until i just decided like it's time to pick a place lay down roots be happy make your life there that i decided that and now when it's time to celebrate christmas and setting things up it's not uh a drudge for me it's actually enjoyable again yeah i would say for me it's not an act anymore because i i really related to what you said earlier about an act and i you know i'm about the most real person you could meet right everyone says like oh you're just like the person i saw in the video you're i'm i don't change who i am at all i'm really the same person however i was a really good actress 
for many years. Yeah. I was a good actress on the phone to you. I was a good actress around the family. I was pretending all the because time to be okay. Because you don't want to be, be okay. a drag to everyone. Right. And I don't so, want people to feel sorry for me. It's typically not... I'm the same way. I'm never really fake. But in the in those situations where I'm like still to this day where I'm really... All I'm thinking about is Jamie and I'm stressed out and I'm sad and everything. I'm not going to turn to the whole room and say, everyone, stop enjoying your time. <laughs> yeah. This is how I feel. So in, the, in some regard, I understand that. Like just sort of being... Um, just being in the moment and present with the people that you're with, even if you don't want to. I don't know if that's even acting so much as it is uh, participating in community in that moment. Because when everyone's having a great time, it may not be the right moment for you to just say, no, I'm miserable. Everyone needs to feel sorry for me. Well, yeah, you don't want to bring everyone down. But at the same time, maybe not at the celebration, but I think I feel like I did myself a disservice and maybe others a disservice when I wasn't more open and honest about what I was going through. Because yeah. I had several family members after they read Still Standing After All the Tears, which was my first book, literally go, oh my God, I had no idea. I, I, I didn't know you were feeling this way. You know, and a party wants to go, how could you not? My God, my daughter was dying. But no, they just, because I pretended. Yeah. They had no idea that I was going through. They didn't know I cried a million tears in the walk-in closet. They had no well, idea. I want to clarify, too. I'm not saying that you shouldn't tell people when you're upset or you're hurting, but I think that in those situations, it's different. It's okay to, you know what, let's just go along and have a grand old time with everyone else, even if it's not what I want to do. But there is also a time to be like, hey, I need to talk about this. This is really bothering me. And I'll do that. I'll just tell Nikki I'm having a hard Jamie day, and she knows exactly what that means means I'm probably going to listen to songs that Jamie liked. I'm probably going to cry. I'm probably going to want to talk about her and tell stories about her. But sometimes I need to do it. If I don't let it out, I'll go crazy. So there is a time for for everything, really. Well, and I think part of it, you're, you're right. And part of it is that we're afraid, at least me, I don't know if this is you. I don't want people to feel sorry for me, but I also, I don't want them to feel bad. Yeah. Right? I feel like my grief, so I can even remember, Sean, that after Jamie died, I hadn't gone anywhere. I hadn't gone anywhere in, for two weeks. And I got in the car, and it was this weird foreign thing where I had to put a key in and, like, push buttons and do... It was like I'd never driven a car before. It was so weird. And I go to Trader Joe's, and it's like, I'm in a bubble, and everyone... It was the weirdest experience. Then the next thing I went is to the nail salon. And this gal, I so loved her, and she had met Jamie a couple times in the nail salon, and... I knew I had to tell her and I was dreading telling someone I barely knew because I didn't want her to feel sad. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we do that too. And I, I think you're right that it's good for us sometimes to just, you know, you don't have to unburden yourself every minute, every day, but don't you think it's also okay if you didn't go to a party? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you're not feeling up to it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with setting something out. But I, I've tended to find in those moments when you choose to wallow, it doesn't help. It makes it worse. So take a moment, be sad, express yourself however you need to, but go to the party, have a good time. And if you're there for an hour and you decide, I can't do this, I'm faking it, go home. It's okay. You tried. It's better than, than the alternative of, I just know I won't have fun. So yeah. I'm going to choose not to ever have fun. Yeah. You don't think that you're capable of having a good time. So you just stay where you're at, stagnate and be sad. And there's a time to be sad, of course. But if you don't think there's a time to be happy, you're wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. But it's such a process getting there because, honestly, the truth of the matter is, Sean, in a lot of years of Jamie's addiction, I thought it just was so unfair. 
Yeah. It's so unfair. I mean, I was feeling sorry for myself. I, I, I'm just going to put it right out there. And I have never been the kind that liked victims. Yeah. People that were feeling sorry for themselves, pity parties. I've always abhorred that. I really have never liked it. I was that person too. But I was, you know, I always talk about there's these two different kinds of victims. There's the poor me victim mm-hmm. that will tell everyone everything. And then I was the one who was the victim in disguise. So I would pretend, but you know what that caused? It caused me to go, how come no one ever asks about me? How come nobody ever? And then Rich would go, because you pretend everything's okay. I mean, there's no good way to be a victim. Yeah. But it, I think it's a process to get there. And I was thinking about Annelle, you know, Annelle. She told me one thing that she does now because her whole, she said she almost really pretty much lost her whole family because all she did was obsess over her son mm-hmm. who's an addiction. Well, she said finally she's at a point where she has this chair and it's in her kitchen. And I think it, wherever it was. And she goes, you know what? Before a, a holiday or whatever, I go and I spend like 10, 15 minutes. It's the chair. It's like she's putting herself on timeout, I guess. And she just grieves. I mean, she just goes all in. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like there you can be sad, but if you really allow yourself to ball your brains out, something I didn't do for a lot of years before this whole Jamie thing, when you allow yourself to ball your brains out, I feel like you can only go so long doing that. So there's got to be a time limit to that. That's why sometimes I think it's good to just really, really, really cry and grieve. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I had one actually like a month ago, just out of the blue in the kitchen. Nikki was still working. It was like 4.30 in the afternoon, like sobbing, gasping for air, like wheezing. And she's texting me like, are you okay? But she's working. And it just overcame me. But I instead, I normally I would hold it back, go into another room and close the door yeah. and try to contain some of it. And I let it all fly out. I haven't been having as much desire to cry about things like that lately. So Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I were talking about this too. This, there's these stages of grief and you're just like, yeah, I don't even pay attention to that stuff. You never even investigated it. But when I kind of explained to you what it was, you kind of looked at me like, really? I don't think so. I'm not putting down anyone who believes in that theory, but that has not been my experience that there's any type of linear process no. to this uh to this grief. And I feel like till the day I take my last breath, I'm going to still have those weird moments, not her birthday, not her angel day, not the Christmas, whatever holidays. Those are obvious. Grief is like chicken pox. It's all over the place. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. You yeah. have absolutely no idea how you're going to react. Or when any... the next, where the next one's going to pop out. Yeah. You have no idea how you're going to react in any given moment. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it's a challenge. Like, it, I told uh, I told my dad and my my dad's wife this when my uncle passed away. My dad was telling me how he just couldn't get over his brother dying, which is of course sad. But he was in his sixties. Um, it's still horrendous. But I remember just thinking, like, what about Jamie? I just immediately first thought was I don't even feel like you're as sad about her as you should be. And I just immediately got this like defensive, def- almost. yeah, and like it, I was pissed and. That's not fair. He has every right to sure. be sad about losing his brother. And Jamie had died several years prior, but it was just my way of being like, well, I'm not over this, and this is still a greater tragedy to me than that. And so in that moment, I was not... As sensitive as you should have been? Or... Yeah, I was like, F you, what about her? And of course, I was gutted when my uncle passed. But you know what? It maybe hurt him even more because of her. You know, he's still carrying around mm-hmm. this hole in his heart, and... If you don't let it out... And you know what, he might not, here's the thing, I feel like some 
situations, because we also grieve situations. You can grieve your youth. You can grieve the loss of your hair, right? I mean, people grieve also a, a, a job. <laughs> no, but I mean, you were talking about your hair earlier. A job, a situation. Like people grieve phases in their life. Or why do you think people are so nostalgic about high school? Even though if everybody really thought about it, high school was kind of crappy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right? But we look back and we're like, oh, those nostalgic times, right? We, we think... Um, I just completely lost my train of thought. This is really good that you're here because I would just stare at the microphone for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Oh, the great different. Oh, I know it's back. Um, that brain cell got regenerated that certain things, things and situations and even people, I think you can and should get over. So let's say it's your high school boyfriend and you are now, you know, 61 years old. Really? It's time to get yeah. over that. That's, or the situation, the, like, you know, whatever it is, the nostalgia, there are things we can get over, but there are certain relationships in our life we have to accept. We will probably, or most certainly, never get over. Yeah, I mean... Jamie's the, one of them for it, me. No, it is the one for me. It's maybe a silly <laughs> phrase or analogy, but the way I've always looked at it is you're never going to get over the grief of losing a child, a, a sibling, a cousin, a whatever, a and parent. And maybe even a parent, yes. To the... To the drug disease in particular but instead you choose to pick it up and go forward and carry it with you because it's always going to be with you but there is a path forward versus trying to get over it it's not possible that would mean cutting off your emotions and feelings to another person but knowing this will be with me forever but i can keep walking sure you're carrying a 30 pound backpack to the top of the mountain but what are you going to do stop walking you got to keep going but I think people don't, that's why feeling like it's linear or that you have to get to a point where, oh no, there's oh, switchbacks. It's been X years ago. It's okay. Yeah. They say time heals all wounds, but. You know what I think time has done for me? I'm probably me? more connected to Jamie's loss in this last year than I have been in the previous several years. Well, then there's proof right there that it's not this whole linear. I feel like too, that I've accepted as everyone knows, I've talked about it, that there's a permanent hole in my heart and it hasn't shrunk at all. I honestly feel like this hole is the same size as the day she died. You know what, Sean? It's the same size as when the whole addictions. It's 23 years in the making, right? But I've learned to... It's what you've been saying. I've learned to manage it, live with it, and accept it. Mm -hmm. And embrace it. And even embrace it. That's the difference. I think if you... Like you're saying, if you just think, well, give me some time, and then at some point I'll get over it. Like I said, certain relationships and people you probably should let go of, but there are some don't fight it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Some of those things just need to be let go. You have to pick and choose the right battles. Yeah. And I, and I also think that we talk about at the beginning of this episode about the most wonderful time of the year and this is so tough and it is, it is tough, but I want to really talk about why it's tough. It's tough because you said the nostalgia, but it's also because of those damn Hallmark commercials and Hallmark movies and, you know, where it's like everything is so beautiful and magical and wonderful. And we'd all like to think that, but we're inviting imperfect people to get together mm -hmm. for a holiday. Something's not going to go right, right? Sure. Someone's going to get upset with someone. Someone's going to get irritated. The food's not going to turn out right. I mean, like just crap's going to happen anyway. Yeah. But the expectations we place on the holidays are extra pressure on these poor little days. Yeah. Yeah, an expression that I heard, I've heard used in many different scenarios, be it weight training, football, work, whatever, 
people say just keep showing up. That's half the battle. If you just keep showing up, eventually it starts to get easier. You get it down, but you got to show up. That's the first thing. If you dry, if you don't walk in the door of the gym, you're never going to work out. Yeah. You don't head to work, you're not going to work. You just got to show up. And that's the same for your own life for when you're dealing with these things. Bailing out on your family isn't going to make you feel any better just because you're sad. Got to show up. So. Well, that's a good point you said because I felt like when I was doing all that acting because I didn't feel genuine and I don't ever want to be a dishonest person. And I feel like I wasn't being genuine because I was pretending. But maybe I was showing up and didn't realize that was helping me through. Because I remember all of a sudden going to a family function and not feeling jealous or not feeling like it's not fair or not thinking about Jamie the whole entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true. I think when you consider the alternative, you'd have been sitting at home by yourself think thinking, screw those people and their happiness and their perfect lives. They don't know what I'm dealing with. Instead, you showed up and kind of thought it a little, but still sp- develop those uh memories with people but you know what i can't even take any credit for it when i think about it rich made me show up so maybe that's a really good point to bring up is that everybody needs somebody that knows what you're going through and maybe even though they're like i'm so sorry for you and they're tender with you it's saying what you're saying being tough enough to say let's show up even if like you said stay for an hour you feel like crap you know how many times rich would say Oh, so-and-so and so-and-so, they want us to go to dinner on Friday night or whatever. I'd go, oh, you know, I'm tired. I'm not feeling well. I would pull out my excuse bag and just start throwing them out there. But then I would see the look in his face, and I didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't want him to have to miss out in his life. But honestly, if he weren't around, Sean, I might have become a hermit. Yeah. Well, and I know some people listening to this might think, well, maybe Rich isn't dealing with the same level of grief that you are. Just to give some people a little... A little, uh, I guess, foray into what Rich has experienced. He's lost literally everyone in his family except for one half brother. So he's experienced every bit of grief under the sun. And he always shows up to things and has a good attitude and a positive mindset. So maybe there's something to be learned from that. Because I would say in, to- in totality, he's considered, had, had considerably more grief than we have comparatively yeah i mean it it isn't a child but he lost his only sibling like you became Mm -hmm. an only child overnight when he was 15 his brother was 14 and he just dropped dead at school and it's so weird sean because i don't know do you remember going to the first time you went to grandma emily and grandpa frank's house and seeing that black and white picture of bradley on the wall with his black rim glasses and stuff and i remember saying to rich oh my god he's frozen in time It, it it was such a shocking moment for me And I never, um, Emily never talked about him. She never talked about him at all. But here she was at the end of her life, and we were trying to manage her medication because she was on 9 million of them after that last hospital stay. We were were trying to get her to not be a zombie and figure out what she needed and didn't need. And as we got her off a lot of these meds and she started to be more perky, though, then Rich was going, okay, we're going to the doctor. What are you still on? And she mentions this one medication. Well, it's an antidepressant. And he goes, Mom, why would you need an antidepressant? And she only had one word for him. Bradley. Exactly. And it hit Rich. Sean, it hit him like a ton of bricks. Rich was bawling when he told me about it. Oh, my God. My mom is still... it, And it was really interesting because it was almost like when he became more sensitive to me about Jamie, when he realized that his mom had been carrying this, that that hole in her heart didn't shrink. Mm-hmm. But 
You didn't know until her final moments at the end of her life that she was feeling all that grief. She showed up for life. She was very strong, and it was a choice for her. She didn't let it cripple her. No. She was always involved in going to the casino and doing stuff with friends. And until she got sick, she was she was man about town. She really was. So. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, too? I was thinking about and appreciate because they didn't have the resources we do today or they didn't have it just wasn't a way you didn't talk about your grief and your sadness and your feelings you just were supposed to go on with life yeah so it was even harder i think for them back then so yeah i appreciate that you saying that about rich too because i've really had a lot of sensitivity lately about what he's been through but definitely going through stuff together is important but what's really important about it you guys do not find a group to go through whatever you're going through that's just about feeling sorry for themselves or one downing each other or telling the sad stories repeatedly. We all know the sad stories, yep. right? I was telling you today that I have no desire to be in groups that are just talking about addiction and things constantly. And I'm talking about the details of it. I, I don't, that's, that's hopeless to me. And I, so I feel like it, whoever we link arms with, they need to be the people like Rich that'll drag you to the party at first, mm -hmm. you know, or the people like you that are saying, no, we have to show up for life. Yep. So we need people, but we need the right people. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And by the way, my friends, this is not just about the holidays because I don't know what's going on in your life. No idea. But for us, January rolls around after the holidays and that's Jamie's birthday. And then, you know, okay, February, Valentine's Day. Don't care that much about that. But it's my anniversary, you know? She wasn't there for our 25th anniversary. And then your birthday rolls around, Sean. And then, you know, there's Mother's Day. And there's just, well, my there's is, life. is sad for me every year, too. Well, and it got sadder when you told me. I never thought I about that. Every year I turn one year older than yes. she was when she died. And I'm now going to be six years older than she was when she died. And she was two years older than me. That math just doesn't sit. So... <laughs> Yeah, this whole thing, it's hijacked every important day. But I don't let it cripple me on my birthday. No one knows I'm feeling that way. I have a good time. I spend time with family, with friends, whoever. But I you choose. give yourself the time to yeah. feel sad about it. I feel sad, but I choose to enjoy my time regardless. Yeah, which, you know, you, you hear this cliche all the time. where they're like, oh, so-and-so, they wouldn't want you to be sad. But I think it's true. Jamie absolutely would not want us down here crying. No, yeah. I don't think anyone's family member who's passed away would want them to be sitting around miserable on their behalf. So, No. So I think that's, I mean, so hopefully this, this has helped you guys just a, a little chat about where we're coming from. You know, we're, we had a lot of years of grief with Jamie in particular. And by the way, we've had a lot of other grief during that period of time. We didn't just have Jamie. You lost friends. You lost your grandpa. I lost my stepfather, who was my dad for all intents and purposes. We lost Grandma Emily. Um, we've lost, we've had a lot of different types of loss during this time. It's, you know, so we could say, well, man, life's gotten worse, but we've gotten so much better. We've learned how to be equipped and handle this. And so I would just say that feel your feelings, but don't be a victim. Don't get trapped in that poor me place where you're just, you're stuck. And also don't bury your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. Because if you do that, one day you're going to explode. Yeah, for sure. 
Okay, my friends, hopefully this was helpful to you. I'd love for you to, you know, go on our Facebook uh, page at ValerieSavera.com or WarriorsAndHope.com and, and let me know what you think about these episodes. Um, and I know that I've been hearing from people that they really like when I have guests on. So let me know your thoughts and uh, join me as a Warrior in Hope. Go to WarriorsAndHope.com. We have an app and there's a lot of free resources in there. And because, you know what, I was just talking to Donna the other day, um, yesterday actually, and she said the most important thing, if you want to get where she is or you want to get where Sean is or me, you have to do the work. There's no magical way to go from despair to hope and happiness without doing some work. Very true. Okay. Thanks again, Sean, for coming and joining me. And hopefully we'll do it again soon. Of course. Okay. Love you.